mom and dad-in-law, and then who are here today, and one at my sister-in-law's, and I'm not going to say which one was better, because I'm not stupid. <laughs> Actually, they were both fantastic. Oh, my goodness. And then we had leftovers, and, um, and I'm still eating, as you can see, still enjoying Thanksgiving. Uh, I, I said this morning that Thanksgiving is my favorite celebration of the year because you get to eat and eat and eat, and you don't have to give anybody any presents. <laughs> Actually, I don't mind getting presents. Um, we, uh, we talked last week about how terrible grumbling and complaining is. In fact, I, I said that God hates complaining. Well, um, this week I want to tell you what God does love. And I can tell you that God loves gratitude. And uh, there's a fellow by the name of Robert A. Emmons, and uh, he did a study on, on gratitude. He applied for a grant from the Templeton Foundation, and he was awarded $1 million to research the effects of gratitude. And I'm going to be telling you about it throughout the course of this morning, but um, let me just say this, in case you don't know what gratitude is. Gratitude, very simply, is the quality of being thankful. It's a readiness to show appreciation for kindness and to return kindness. So the way that we express our gratitude is to speak it and say, thank you, I love it, this is wonderful. And in case you've never been to church before, before we get to this part of the service, we spend time worshiping God and giving him thanks, expressing gratitude to God for his kindness and his goodness to us. And then we take time to do what we call an offering. And it's again, it's a time to, to return the kindness. So God, you've been good to us, and now we want to do something in return by expressing thanks through our gifts and giving. And here's the thing. We can never, we can never outgive God. God just pours out his blessing over and over and over again. And we just, we just want to express some type of thanksgiving to him. Well, Dr. Emmons wrote a book, and it's called Thanks, How Practicing Gratitude Can Actually Make You Happier. And what he did is he did, uh, did an experiment uh, that lasted for 10 weeks, and he put three groups together. The first group was what he called the gratitude group. And the gratitude group was asked to journal the things that they were thankful for over the course of those 10 weeks. And then there was the complaint group. And the complaint group was asked to record uh, uh, some of the daily hassles and complaints that they had. And so for 10 weeks, the complaint group was writing down the things that, that were annoying them, it was aggravating them, that, that made them unhappy, uh, made them uh, bitter. And, 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 um, and then the third group, which you called the control group, uh, they were just asked to list any events that occurred in the course of the week. And so you've got the first group writing down all the good and wonderful things about life, things that they're grateful for, the complaint group writing down all the things that they are unhappy about, and then the control group writing down whatever they want. So the grateful group would write down things like this. I'm so thankful to be alive. And they write, I'm so thankful for the generosity of my friends. I'm so thankful for this beautiful sunset. I'm so thankful for the sun shining through the clouds and touching my heart. You know, it's like unicorns and rainbows. And then the complaint group, 
They're complaining about things like taxes. They're complaining about uh, the bad traffic, and it's hard to find a parking spot, and I burnt my macaroni and cheese, and uh, they're just mad about the world and about everything. And then, they, and then the third group, they're just writing down anything, just anything that comes about. Well, here's what Dr. Eamons discovers after 10 weeks. He discovers that the people in the gratitude group felt 25% happier than the other two groups. And the interesting thing is that the complaint group and the control group really wasn't much of a difference between the two. But those, but the, those who actually spent time writing down and discussing the things that they were happier, happy about were 25% happier about life. Now, that's a huge amount. But anybody here like a 25% raise in their paycheck? Yeah. So you, so you would agree that that's a, lot, that's a, that's a, good, a good increase? Yeah. Would anybody be happy with a 10% increase? In the, yes. We're talking 25% happier. This is huge. So I want to I just begin this morning by asking a simple question. Is gratitude an option for Christians? Now, there are some here today who are not yet believers, you know, who you've considered it, you've, you've looked at Christianity, you wondered what it's all about. Um, so I'm directing this question to people who are actually committed followers of Christ. You put your faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is your Lord. He's your Savior. He's your King. You follow him, and you know that what you need to do is you need to obey him and do his will. This is who I'm talking to right now. I'm going to tell you that the short answer to the question, is gratitude an option for Christians? The short answer is no, it's not an option. This is God's will for you and for me to be grateful people, to be thankful. And I'm going to share that with you in just a moment. But let me just say this. You know, by nature, we are complainers. We complain and we complain and we grumble and we whine and and nothing's good enough. Some of us, we've grown up in a culture of that. That is part of our culture. We laugh about it. We take, make jokes about it. But the fact is that you come from a culture where grumbling and complaining is just who you are. But the fact is, is that as human beings, as children of Adam and Eve, all of us by nature are grumblers and we're complainers. Let me give you an example. This is Rashida Lucas. And I, did a, I just did a, a, a snapshot right off of a video clip. And uh, she's in divorce court, and she wants to get a divorce from her husband. And so the judge asked the question, why do you want to get a divorce? Your husband's a good-looking man. He's, he's dressed very, uh, very nicely. He looks great. He's modern. He's up-to-date. He's handsome. Why on earth would you ever want to divorce this good-looking man. And her answer was this. He's just too nice. Now, people get divorced because they're married to somebody who's not very nice. She wants a divorce because he's too nice. And the judge sits there does, it, does that, and said, pardon me? And this woman's response is, you know, you can be too nice. Now, I don't know if anybody here believes that, but if you do believe that, then you are a very cynical and jaded human being that needs therapy. This woman believed the man that she wanted to get a divorce from was far too nice. She complained 
that her husband, get this, this is going to blow you away, her husband told her that he loves her too often. She said two times a week is even too much. And the judge says, pardon? She says, could there be anything else that makes you unhappy about this man? She said, yeah, he makes me gain weight. Now, that might be grounds. <laughs> the judge asked, well, what do you mean by that? Well, he cooks me four-course meals. And if ever I need a snack, he just, he'll get up at 2 o'clock in the morning and make me the most delicious snacks, and I am gaining weight. So i got to ditch this guy. i got to get rid of him. Jin, Judge Lynn Toller asks her, have you lost your mind? Have you lost your mind? Now, we sit here, and, and we're all a little incredulous. Like, really? Is there really like, people like this out there? Well, people, I've I got to tell you this. Um, too often, we're like this. God is so good to us. He's so kind to us. He provides for us. He meets our needs. And yet, it's never good enough. And rather than giving him worship and praise and thanks, we find ourselves doing what? Complaining. God, thank you for my new car, but it sure would have been nice if it was a nicer one. God, I like my car, but it's the wrong color. God, thank you. Thank you for giving me a job, but really, God, couldn't, couldn't I make a little bit more money than that? There's always something, there's always a downside. You know people like that. The children of Israel, remember last week we talked about them? They are in slavery in Egypt. We're not talking about just being servants. We're talking about terrible slavery where they are beaten and hurt. And they're crying out to God, oh God, if you love us, save us, set us free from Pharaoh and from this terrible slavery. And finally God hears their prayer. And God sends 10 plagues to the Egyptians. And finally, the Egyptians tell the Israelites, okay, get out, we're done with you. We get the message, God, we don't want your people here. Out! And before they left, the Egyptians gave them gold and silver and all kinds of possessions and things, more stuff than they could even carry hardly. And they, they left Egypt having really, as the Bible says, plundered Egypt. And they get to the... Red Sea, and now they're, they're whining and complaining. How could you do this to us, Moses? We should have left us in Egypt. Are there not enough graves in Egypt that you bring us out to the wilderness? And we blah, 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 blah. They're complaining and whining. All the while, they can see the pillar of fire by night standing between them and Pharaoh's armies. The miracle of this pillar of fire and they're sitting there looking at that pillar of fire and looking at Moses, and they're complaining and whining. And God says, okay, they've been, they've been, in, been slaves for 300 years. I'll give them a break. I won't say anything this time. God says to Moses, look, get moving. Take that staff of yours and divide the sea. They divide, Moses divides the sea. The children of Israel go through on dry land. And Pharaoh's armies are just chafing to get at those Israelites. They're going to get them and kill them. And as soon as the Israelites are through, then Pharaoh's armies come rushing across the Red Sea. And then suddenly, you know what happens? That Red Sea just collapses on them. And Pharaoh's armies are destroyed. Now, you would think that the children of Israel would look 
at that and say, wow, we have the most amazing God ever. There's no God like our God. We're going to serve him with joy for the rest of our lives, right? Wrong. There's, they're away from Egypt, they're in the wilderness, and they start complaining. Oh, God, we don't like the food we're eating. We're tired of the stuff we brought with us. And God says, okay, hey, this is, this is new to them. They're just discovering who I am. God sends manna from heaven. Manna means what is it? Don't even know what it is, but it's delicious. It's honey wafer food. It's the most delicious food you could ever imagine. And the people start eating it. Mm, this is wonderful. This is great. Well, what a great God we have. Until a few weeks go by, and they're like sick of it now. We don't want this food. And the grumbling and complaining starts again. And where is the water? We don't have enough water. And grumbling and complaining again. And Moses, and who do you think you are telling us what to do? This goes on and on and on and on. They get to the very edge of the promised land. And you would think by this time, they'd say, wow, look what God has done. He's brought us out of Egypt. He's brought us to the wilderness. He's fed us. He's brought us to the very land that he promised us. It couldn't get any better than this, right? Well, they send in the 12 spies. And when they get out of the land that they've just spied on, they come back to bring the report to the Israelites, and two of the Israelites say, this is the most amazing land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. Our God is such a good God. I can't imagine, I can't believe that God would be so good to us and give us all of this. And the grapes are so massive, it takes two people to carry one clump of grapes. What an amazing God we have. But the other 10 are saying, well, hold on a minute here. These people are giants. And furthermore, we're not very tall people. In fact, we're like locusts, like grasshoppers compared to them. In fact, we look like grasshoppers in their eyes. We don't think it's a good idea to go into this promised land that God has brought us to. Well, you know what grumbling and complaining is like, folks. It's, it's like a cancer. It just spreads. And next thing you know, everybody's like, well, hold on a minute here. God, we thought you loved us. And how could you do this to us? And how could you bring us to this place? And God, we thought you cared. And, and God now has had enough. You've complained one too many times. And God says, that's it. You're not going into the promised land. Your generation is going to wander in the wilderness for the next 40 years. It's the next generation that gets to go in. But I can't take your complaining anymore. Now, I want the Spirit of God to speak to you once again. Because last week we said that so often God's blessing is stopped in our lives. God is not able to give us the thing that he has promised us, the things that he wants us to have, because of our complaining and our grumbling. We don't have that attitude of gratitude. When you are not grateful, it expresses a lack of trust in God. It's like this woman. When you do not give thanks to God for the good things that you have, it's like spitting in the face of God. When we complain, we're saying, God, I don't appreciate your kindness to me. You've been really good to me, but as far as I'm concerned, it ain't good enough. When we're complaining, we're saying to God, I don't trust you. We're saying, God, I just don't love you. That's what this poor Rashida was doing to her husband, who did everything for her, treated her like a queen. 
and it wasn't good enough. She's saying to her husband, I don't love you. And folks, that's exactly what we do when we are not expressing gratitude. Now you understand why God hates complaining. Because it's an evidence that we don't really, really love God. You can tell me all you want how much you love God and you love church and you love all this, but the fact is, is you're, if your attitude is wrong and you don't have a grateful heart, then the fact is we have to conclude that you don't really love God. These people... Essentially, we're saying, God, we hate you. Because you're not just doing things the way we want you to do them. You know, there's a verse that we have all learned, and most of us can quote this off by heart. You've heard me quote it many, many times. Jesus has asked the question, Master, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, well, I'll be glad to tell you. That's easy. He says, you must love the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And Jesus says the second is equally important. Did you get that? It's equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I'm going to tell you, true gratitude is, is an expression of love. And the way that you and I are going to properly love God is by giving him thanks. Folks, that's why we begin every service with a time of worship, to give thanks to God, to express our gratitude for his kindness to us, to express our gratitude to him for his love for us. We're loving God because he first loved us. And then Jesus says, and by the way, there's another important commandment that I have to throw in there because it is equally as important. You have to love your neighbor as yourself. And how do we express our love to one another? Well, there's many ways, but for the, for the topic of the day, part of that means that we express gratitude to one another. Gratitude, saying thank you. When Gloria and I were on the mission field, we were in Greece. Uh, Gloria's grandpa and grandma sent us a gift of money. And, uh, and, and that was quite a, a sacrificial thing for them to do. It was really quite amazing. We're retired ministers themselves. And we didn't, we didn't send a thank you note right away. And grandpa, grandpa Rudd, in his wisdom, decided not to let that go. And I'm so thankful he did because it changed the way we functioned. He said, you know, we know that you're grateful, but you need to say thank you. That's really important. That completes the transaction, the love transaction. And, you know, we're a little embarrassed by that, but, man, that, that is something that stuck with me for the rest of my life. you got to say thank you. Whenever somebody does something kind to you, whenever anybody loves you, then you need to say thank you. That completes the love transaction. And so that's what Gloria and I have been doing. You know, when we first met Janet and Denny, I, I, I hope they don't get mad at me for telling you this. Uh, 
John and Denny would have us over for dinner, and Gloria would go home right away and write a thank you note. Thank you for having us over for dinner. And Denny would jokingly say, would you quit harassing us with these thank you notes? <laughs> we got a kick out of that. But the fact is, is that our society, our culture, is not a grateful culture. We're a whining and complaining culture. Jesus calls us to love one another, and part of that means expressing gratitude. The fact is, we're all a little bit like Rashida Lucas. So I'm telling you today, gratitude is not an option for a believer. Well, then how should we live? Do you know, ingratitude is universally regarded with contempt. Everybody knows that those who are not grateful are really contemptible people. Gratitude is considered a virtue in virtually every religion and in most cultures. Some cultures, they don't seem to care about it, but there is one culture that really finds it important. It's the Japanese culture. I'm going to teach you a Japanese word this morning. Would you all say this with me? Oh, you're a little tentative there. Can you say with a Japanese accent, please? That's better. Now I know what you're saying. Very simply, it's a word on. Now, this, this term, this Japanese term, it includes a sense of gratitude combined with a sincere desire to repay others for what's been given or what's been done for them. And that really was the definition this morning of gratitude. It's, it's expressing thanks, but it's also doing something in return. Nicholas, when he heard this this morning, he said, Dad, that is exactly what happened to me when I was in Israel this past year. When I learned what it meant to truly worship God and give him thanks for his kindness, for the forgiveness of sin, he said it, tra- it transformed me, it changed me. And anybody who knew my son Nicholas before he went to Israel last year, when he got back, everybody said, man, he's so different, he's so changed. And Nicholas just told me in my office after the first service, Dad, that's what happened to me. I was changed. I was transformed. I understood what God had done for me, and I learned what it meant to say, thank you, God. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for taking away my sins. On is, with, with, with that word on, and we don't have a word like this in, in English, really, but it's, this is what the definition of on is. It's a sense of obligation that arises naturally within us as we recognize how we have been supported and cared for by God or others. I'm going to tell you something today. You don't have to turn to the Eastern religions to learn this stuff. It's in the Word of God. In fact, if you go through the Old Testament, we find that the Israelites were in the habit of giving what they called sacrifices of thanksgiving. And Psalm 116, 17 says, To you I shall offer what? A sacrifice of thanksgiving and call upon the name of the Lord. One of the people in our church, this is something I'd never seen before, would would on a regular basis give special offerings of thanks. Something good had happened. God had blessed them. God had been good to them. God had done something special, and they would give an offering of thanksgiving. This is, this is a Christian idea. It's an Old Testament idea. In Hebrews 13, verse 15, it says, Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance or our love for him. This is who we are as believers. This is what we do. We are expressing gratitude to God and gratitude to one another. Paul tells us what God's will is for us. 
He says, be thankful in all circumstances. Now, look, at, we're not a bunch of morons here. We're not saying, God, thank you for my flat tire. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, I got in an accident. We're not saying that. But what we are saying is maintain an, ad of, an attitude of gratitude even when things aren't working out the way you'd hoped they would. In other words, don't let the circumstances of your life change your heart. Don't let the circumstances of life make you an angry, bitter person. Be grateful. Why? Paul tells us because this is God's will. This is what God wants from you. He wants you to develop this attitude of gratitude. Now, the big question is this. Why? Why does God want us to be grateful? Well, we've already discussed one reason, and that is because it's an active expression of love. When I offer gratitude to, to Gloria, when she cooks me a wonderful meal, I say, thank you, dear. What is that saying to her? It's saying, I love you, and I appreciate what you've done. When I'm thankful, I'm expressing my love. The second thing, and this may surprise you, God wants us to be in the habit of expressing gratitude for our sake. God knows that when we give thanks and we offer gratitude to the people in our lives who are good to us, that's why we had this big event yesterday. For all our volunteers, that's why these tables are set up. This is, this is a setup from yesterday. All the people who volunteer across church, we had such a fantastic party here Everybody's getting gifts and having a ball and, and a free meal. It just pays to serve at Cross Church. But when we express gratitude, it changes us. God knows that it's for our benefit because God wants you and me to be joyful people. God wants us to be happy. Did you know that? Some of you have this strange and wrong notion of what Christianity is about. You think God's some kind of a cosmic killjoy. He just wants to make life miserable for us. He wants to take away all our fun. But I'm going to tell you, it's quite the opposite is true. God wants you to have such an awesome and joyful and happy life. And so one of the very first things we learn as followers of Christ is that we need to be grateful. There was a study, many studies done on the effects of gratitude. I shared one with you from Dr. Emens. Amit Amin wrote an interesting uh, article, and you can find it on the internet, called The 31 Benefits of Gratitude That You Don't Know About. She says, gratitude can change your life. She asked this question to her readers. She asked this question first. Do you want more from your life? And I ask you that. Do you want more from your life? Three of us do. The rest don't care. Would you like more happiness? Yes. Oh, a few more would like happiness. Would you like better health? Yes. Deeper relationships? Yes. Woohoo. Increased productivity? Yes. What if I told you that just one thing can help you in all of those areas? And she says, it's an attitude of gratitude. And then she goes on to say this. What the heck? Gratitude? Is this a Christian blog? And she says, no, I'm not even religious. When I first started looking into gratitude, I wasn't expecting much. I was wrong. 
Let the Spirit of God speak to you people. This woman is coming at Christianity through the back door. She doesn't even realize she stumbled onto an ancient teaching that goes back thousands of years. And here's what she has discovered. She's discovered there's been all kinds of studies, and here's what the studies have proven. 31 benefits of gratitude. So we're going to go through all 31. We should be here till 3 o'clock this afternoon. No, we won't. I'm going to do this quick. She discovered that gratitude makes us happier. It's scientifically proven. If you are expressing gratitude, then you are going to be a happy person. Now, that's what we began with this morning. You will be 25% happier. Who would like a 25% raise? Yes. Gratitude makes people like us. How many would like to have people like you? How many don't want people to like you? If you put your hand up, then you need to sign up for therapy. I will help you with that. (laughs) Gratitude makes us healthier. Remember what I said, those who express gratitude for 10 weeks exercise on average one and a half more hours per week than the ones who are complainers. They say that that, uh, people who actually practice gratitude on a regular basis can actually extend their lifespan by anywhere from a few months to several years. So for no other reason, if you want to live longer, Get rid of your bad attitude and start expressing gratitude. Number four, gratitude will boost your career. How many want to raise? How many want to want a, a, a change in your career? You want to move up the ladder? This study says practice gratitude, and it's going to change the minds of everybody around you, what they think of you. Gratitude strengthens our emotions. It makes you more uh, uh, able to cope with life. Gratitude develops our personality. It makes us more optimistic. Gratitude reduces materialism. You don't care so much about money anymore. Gratitude increases your spirituality. It makes you more open to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Gratitude makes us less self-centered. And I can tell you, all of us here today, that's the thing we all struggle with. Look at that person beside you out of the corner of your eye. Selfish. But if you practice gratitude, it will significantly reduce and even remove self-centeredness from your life. I hear people say all the time, I I really suffer with self-esteem problems. Well, this study says gratitude will actually increase your self-esteem. Gratitude will improve your sleep. Anybody losing sleep? Maybe before you go to sleep, you need to phone a few people and say, I love you. I'm so thankful for you. You're the most awesome people. My wife, I love you, my dear. My kids, you are the best thing that ever. Just do a little bit of that and you'll fall right to sleep. And if you don't, you can call me. Gratitude keeps you away from the doctor, which is good unless you're married to a doctor. Gratitude lets you live longer. Gratitude increases your energy levels. Gratitude makes you more likely to exercise. Gratitude helps us bounce back, more resilient. Gratitude makes us feel good. Gratitude makes our memories happier. Gratitude reduces feelings of envy. Gratitude helps us relax. Look, if you're busy giving God thanks and you don't have time to envy anybody, gratitude helps us relax. Gratitude makes us friendlier. Gratitude helps your marriage. Gratitude makes you look good. 
Gratitude helps you make friends. Gratitude deepens friendships. Gratitude makes you a more effective manager. You see, I'm not a manager. That doesn't apply to me. If you're a parent, you're a manager. In fact, if you're a human being, you're a manager. You have to manage yourself. And if you're expressing gratitude, it makes you more effective at that. Gratitude helps your your network. Gratitude increases your goal achievement. Gratitude improves your decision-making. Gratitude increases your productivity. Now, look, we've come to the end here. When you read the writings of the Apostle Paul, which is a good chunk of the New Testament, here's what you discover about Paul's intention. Paul wants us to be transformed, to be changed. And this is why he says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, be transformed how? By the renewing of your mind. we got to change our mind and change our heart. And how do you do that? By learning how to say thank you. Thank you, God, and thank you to the people in your life. Here's what he says here. He says, sink your roots in him and build on him. Be strengthened by the faith that you were taught. And what? An overflow with thanksgiving. Now, here's what the church has been really good at over the years, that that first part. Sink your roots in him and build on him. Be strong. Know your Bible. Memorize the scripture. Know the books of the Bible off by art. Be strengthened in the faith that you were taught. But here's the part that we all sort of pass over and ignore. Overflow with thanksgiving. Look, you could sink your roots in, but what good is an apple tree if it's got great roots but no fruit? We want to have great root, a great root system, but we want to have great fruit system as well. And if you're going to produce fruit that's going to bring glory to Jesus Christ, then you and I are going to have to learn what it means to start expressing gratitude because that's what brings the fruit in your life that changes people's lives. Here's what I recommend you put up in your house. Next time you feel panicky and feel like, oh, God, we're all going to die. You start rearranging the, the furniture on the deck of the Titanic. You know you're going down. Understand this. Jesus Christ said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He wants you to have an abundant life. But you got to cooperate with him and do what he tells you to do, and that is to give thanks. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Would you stand with me, please? Let's pray. Father, some of us are here today, and our hearts are so full of anxiety, so full of angst. We are worried. We're concerned. We're biting our fingernails off. We can't sleep at night. We are so anxious. And this morning, Lord, you are telling us that we need to be a people we're full of gratitude, and that's a game changer. That changes our lives. We can go see the psychiatrist, the doctor, the psychologist. We can get medication. But God, you've given us the best medication of all. That's the instruction to be grateful, to have an attitude of gratitude. So Father, as we go from this place, help us to hold each other accountable. Help us, God, to be people who are constantly saying thank you. Thank you, God, and thank you to all the people in your orbit. And we thank you, Father, for your faithfulness, and we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me? Okay, before you go. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you. 
Um, before you go, I want to tell you this. I don't want this just to go in one ear and out the other. So when you go from here, whoever you're with, whoever you're with, hold them accountable. Hold each other accountable. And if you catch them complaining, give them a, a shot in the arm right there. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. God bless you.